Satan has all kind of tools. Watch this. It doesn't make any difference which tool he uses. Because right now the dark cloud is descending upon this speaker. When I look out in that abyss, I don't know what I see. Our patriotic movement will overcome this terrible deception. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. I am Billy Ray Parrish and this is God's Gospel Radio Ministries Imagine, if you will, with part two to a Christian's case for Donald Trump. Here, we try to keep these podcasts short and fun by being precise and quick to the point. There's no reason to waste your time and by beating around the bush. As the idea of this show is to challenge the listener to see things from a godly perspective. This is a Christian show, but we also want to engage in dialogue. We want to talk to each side, every side, all sides, about important issues that are impacting our country. If we are not coming to the table, then there is no way we can solve a problem. If one side is unwilling to work with the other side or sides, then nothing can be accomplished regardless of how big or small the problem may be. This is something that we are witnessing in many parts of our country today. We see this with the divide, the racial divide, the social divide, the political divide, the economic divide, the gender divide, and on and on and on. If we are unwilling to compromise or at least come to the table and talk through these issues, then again, nothing can be accomplished. I am Billy Ray Parrish for Imagine, if you will, and I do thank you for joining me. On the last podcast, we discussed why Christians should vote for Donald Trump in the upcoming 2020 presidential election. There were many different reasons. For the last podcast, we talked about he's pro-life, he's pro-America, and he puts America first. He fights for religious liberties, and he understands business. Regardless of what you think of the man himself personally, there is no doubt that President Trump brings swagger to the office. But he also understands what he's talking about. He just doesn't throw out talking points for people to eat them up. He actually brings facts and understanding of what he's talking about. It's hard to doubt that Trump has done wonders with the stock market, which I do want to elaborate more on in this podcast. Yes, Trump rejects socialism, and thankfully so, as it has never worked in any part of the world, and he is for the free market. But in this podcast, I want to discuss some of the accomplishments that we have witnessed because of President Trump's policies. Regardless of what many in the mainstream media would have you believe, there have been many accomplishments. And on the last podcast, we discussed how Trump stands up for American allies and their interests, our interests, while standing strongly against America's foes. And the best example of this is China. 
Trump has literally strangled the Chinese economy, so much so that China realized they needed to act swiftly. They needed to do something to, to fix Trump. In January, Trump and China signed phase one of the new trade agreement that was worked out between the two countries. But again, China was not happy with the way Trump was getting the upper hand. So China come up with a, with a way to fix Trump, and this was the coronavirus. They created the coronavirus in a lab there in Wuhan, China. And an investigation by William Barr found as much. Which was an evil thing to do, but they accomplished different things. Among these accomplishments included getting rid of the protesters that were in Hong Kong that were actually protesting for their freedoms. And they were doing so by singing our national anthem and waving our flag. Talk about a patriotic movement, as Trump talked about in the beginning which is something that many people here in America need to learn about. There's nothing wrong with patriotism, which used to be a common theme with Americans. But the virus also shut down much of the world. In some parts of this country, we are still shut down, which is sad because the numbers do not warrant being shut down, and perhaps they never did. Of course, I don't want to make this entire show about China, but we do need to understand just how strong China has been beat up, just how strong Trump has been with China. In 2019, China saw a growth of only 6.1% from the previous year, which was the lowest in 29 years. This was significant for the United States because it made China come to the table. They had to do something. There was no other alternative. Their GDP was reduced, and it was about half of what the United States saw, and this was just one more sign of real economic trouble for the Communist Republic of China. Xi Jinping had to come to grips with the fact that China was no longer the leader of the free world, and a lot of this had to do with Trump's tough leadership on China. No longer did the United States have a puppet calling the shots such as either Bush, the Clintons, or Obama as they would give in to whatever demands were made. These people were literally big globalists and they had an agenda, not an American one, and they were literally trying to make us just like any other country around the world. And they succeeded for a great deal of it. When we look at the data, when we look at the statistics that are available, we see that Trump has done so much good for this country when we speak of economics. In his first year as president, Trump signed the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, as well as more than 80 other legislative accomplishments that help provide significant tax cuts to the American people. Such acts helped decrease regulations and provided a real boost to the United States economy. Before we go any further, I do want to talk about something that many in the media like to claim. There are many claims that Trump and his administration only provided tax cuts to the 
upper 1% or to, to big businesses and corporations, but this is just not true. Trump and his tax cuts actually helped the middle class more than, than it did the upper 1%. A more useful way to analyze the Trump tax cuts is to look at how they benefit each income group relative to how much of the tax burden they shoulder before the tax cuts. And this is important because before the tax cuts, the bottom 80% of income earners paid roughly 33% of all federal income taxes, but received 35% of the benefits from the tax, Trump tax cuts. The top 1% pay 27% of all federal taxes and receive only 21% of the tax cuts. And this comes from the center-left tax policy center. The Democratic Policy and Communications Committee co-chair, David Cicilline, has claimed that 80% of the Trump tax cuts went to corporations and or the top 1%. And Nancy Pelosi claimed that 83% of the Trump tax cuts went to the top 1%. I guess they would go to her. She's part of that top 1%. But the individual studies say otherwise. They actually say that only 21% of the of the tax cuts actually went to the top 1%, and they pay 27% of all federal taxes. And we see with the Tax Policy Center found that more than 80% of taxpayers received the tax cut, and the average tax cut in taxes was $1,600. So you're seeing that their claim that only the 1% or big businesses or corporations receiving any benefits just falls apart as you look deeper into, into the numbers. Now, I, I want to point out some of the other accomplishments that we have seen, economic accomplishments, under the Trump administration. And if we look at just uh, September of 2018 up to that point, then we see that Almost 4 million jobs were created as of uh, September of 2018 since the election. More Americans were now employed than ever recorded in our history. At one point in time, there were more jobs than there were job seekers. There was a reason why this virus was released upon the world, especially America, was because, well, as a way to stop Trump. And they in a sense, did a good job of doing this, but the American economy is coming back to life, and it's just halftime. It's just halftime. I remember in 2012 when Clint Eastwood ran that commercial for Romney talking about this is our halftime. Well, I'm going to tell you something. The American economy is going to come back, and it's going to come back stronger than ever before. And that's not just because Americans are resilient people, but that's because... Trump understands business, and he understands the way these things work. And he understands that people are against him and will purposely put the American people's 
lives and livelihoods at stake as a way to accomplish their political agenda. But it's not going to work. It hasn't worked, and it will eventually fall apart. And more people are waking up to this fact. And we can look at Candace Owens and others as just a few examples. She has claimed that she believes 20%, at least 20% of the black community will vote for President Trump, which if that does happen, then game over. And they know it, which is why they are pandering to every individual that, that will listen to them. Now, this is what I found very interesting here. Manufacturing jobs grew at the fastest rate in more than three decades as of September 2018. Now, go back to the Chinese economy. They saw the worst growth, 6.1%, from 2018 to 2019. That was the lowest in 29 years, three decades. Is there a correlation there? We went away from the Chinese and depended upon ourselves, or we moved to other countries and went away from China, and they saw the slowest growth in 30 years. I think there's a correlation there. As of September 2018, economic growth last quarter hit 4.2%. Do you remember the new normal that Obama was talking about? President Obama asked how was Trump going to bring back these jobs. He said this was the new normal. He actually asked what magic wand was Trump going to use. What did he have? What did he know? Well, we know that he's got a spine. He's got a backbone. And he's got an understanding of how business works. I realized that President Obama was trying to change the system as a whole. He wanted the new norm to be small growth. He wanted it to be about bigger government. As government had grown and expanded greatly in eight years under President Obama, unemployment was up, food stamps were up, government dependency was, was up. And it wasn't this way by accident. They meant for this to happen because they wanted to issue in a new normal. They wanted to issue in a new America, a softer, gentler America that George Herbert Walker Bush spoke about. And, we're, and we were seeing it at play 20 years later, 30 years later. When we look at September 2018, we were seeing new unemployment claims hit a 49-year low, and it only continued on. Now, right now, we're seeing unemployment rates very high, higher than, well, Trump would like. And he understands that. But you have to understand that it's not his fault. He's not the one who shut the country down. He's not the one who shut these states and these local businesses down. That was the doing of mayors and governors across the country. And there's a reason why some of these states are still shut down. It's not to save the lives of the citizens as the coronavirus has already been debunked as an actual national threat, but it's to stop any progress for the president. All of this has to do about November. 
It's got nothing to do with saving the lives of Americans or any group of people. As of twenty uh, as of September twenty eighteen, median household income hit the highest level ever recorded. People talk about only the one percent receiving those tax cuts, those tax benefits. What we're seeing not only did unemployment numbers go down, not only did economic growth go up, but also did the medium household income. The problem with the middle class is that the middle class has the middle class has been shrinking and it has been for a while now. We're seeing the richer get rich, the poor get poor, and the middle class shrinking, which is sad. But it's also purposely put together this way. When you're seeing the number of people who are dependent upon the government get higher and higher, go higher and higher, and then you see it go above the people who are paying into the system, you're going to see the system collapse completely. It's going to fall apart, and it has to be that way. If you've got more people, if depending on those who are working and paying into the system, then, well, it can't sustain itself. It just can't. As of 2018, September of 2018, you saw black unemployment at the lowest rates ever recorded, along with Hispanics. Unemployment rate at the lowest ever recorded. Asian American unemployment, lowest ever recorded. Women's unemployment reached the lowest rate in 65 years. Youth unemployment at the lowest rate in nearly half a century. Lowest unemployment rate recorded for Americans with a high school diploma. And that's important. Not everyone has a high school diploma or a college degree. When we look at other economic accomplishments, we have to center it around the tax cuts that, that Trump passed. It wasn't just for a certain group of people. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act did so much. It was, it was the first major tax reform signed in 30 years. We're going back almost before I was born. Almost before I was born. It provided tax relief for 82% of middle class families. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of families right there. It doubled the child tax credit by providing an additional $1,000 per child in tax relief for working parents. Again, you, you take that and add it with the $1,600 that was an average for working class families and you're getting more and more of a bigger picture of what the tax cuts did for Americans, average Americans, working class Americans, not just the 1%. This act also doubled the, sta the standard deduction which was a change that simplified the tax filing process for millions of Americans. Now, I remember during the campaign when President Trump or then-candidate Trump and Ted Cruz were battling it out and they were talking about simplifying the tax code. Something has to be done. When you've got a book or you've got to read a book to understand the tax code, then 
Well, the process is too complicated. It's too difficult. Even the ones that are in charge of it don't understand it. That's when you know you've got a real problem and it has to be fixed. The only problem is, or one of the problems is, those in charge didn't want to change it. They wanted to keep it the way it was or expand it to build upon it. They're all about big government. Reagan himself said that government is best when it governs least. Smaller government. That's what we're all about. That's what we're supposed to be about. There is a place for government, but it shouldn't be in every aspect of our lives. It never was intended to be that way. When government gets so big, it collapses on itself. It destroys itself. It can't sustain itself in the pace that we were headed towards, that we were on. Well, it couldn't sustain itself. And if we continue to enact some of these ridiculous policies, then, well, we're going to be telling our grandchildren about America that we remember rather than an America that they should be proud of, that they can be proud of. Now, the tax cuts for small businesses by 20%. That's what this act did. It cut taxes for small businesses by 20% which provided $415 billion in tax relief for small business owners. Again, this is not a small amount of change. $415 billion in tax relief for small business owners. When you look at what this money did, what did it do? Well, it went to opening more more businesses or expanding the businesses or giving raises, bonuses, and... For example, it alleviated the tax burden on five over 500 companies. And in, as a result, they used these savings to fund bonuses and or increase wages for 4.8 million American workers. You're talking about nearly 5 million people there. Working class people who had more money because of the tax cuts that President Trump put in place. Now, it's no secret that if you tax the rich more, what's going to happen? Well, the middle class and the poor are going to pay more. If you tax the rich at a higher rate, they're going to pass the increases down to you and me. That's just economics 101, and people don't like to hear that. It's as though if, if you say something that simple and those in the media or those in power say, what school did you go to? Or they silence you. If we go back to the coronavirus, for example, anyone who said anything about China being responsible, well, they were, they were silenced or they were made out to be conspiracy theorists. A conspiracy theory is just a thought that goes against the narrative put forth by the government or those in the media. If you're labeled a conspiracy theorist, then people look at you differently. They, they think you're just a crackpot or somebody who makes things up as a way to get attention, which typically, as I've learned in my life with conspiracy theories or conspiracy theorists, they're typically right more than they are wrong. 
just because the government says something happened a certain way doesn't mean that it actually happened a certain way. Now, these tax cuts did more than just put money into American workers' pockets. It spurred new investments into the American economy, and after it was passed, businesses invested $482 billion into new American projects. But you're seeing that everyone benefited from this. 82% of the working class or the middle class got some type of benefit from these tax cuts. $1,600 on average, and then you, you take that and you put it together with the $1,000 additional per child in tax relief for working parents, you're starting to see that everyone got richer or benefited from the tax cuts from President Trump. Which again, you have to ask yourself, because this is probably the first time you're hearing any of this, you have to ask yourself, why does the media not tell you any of this stuff? And it goes back to them pushing an agenda upon the American people. This is such a complicated and complex issue that it took an entire show to talk about the accomplishments, the economic accomplishments of President Trump in just his first four years. Imagine what he's going to do in his next four years. And yes, President Trump will win re-election. President Trump will go on to be the greatest president in America's history, not just because of his policies or his tax policies and his economic policies, but due to the way he has stood up to the establishment, the deep state, the swamp, the Illuminati, whatever you want to call them. He has stood in their way of expanding their power system or their power grid. He has literally brought them to their knees. When you're seeing the swamp act as they are now, dividing people on every level or, or on every part of the country that they can think of, you know that something deeper and much bigger is at play than just politics. I remember in 2004 when Kerry ran against Bush, it was about reinstating the draft. That was what the fear factor or fear tactic was used then about reinstating the draft. He was trying to, Kerry was trying to make people realize or think that if Bush was reelected, then the draft was going to be reinstated, which we knew that wasn't going to happen. Bush had said time and time again that it wasn't going to happen. But they still ran with it because it was about pushing forward a progressive ideology. Now, again, I'm not a big Bush guy. He was a big government, a big spender, a big globalist. He was a big government guy. He was a bigger government guy. I mean, he wanted government as big as any liberal Democrat. This is just the way big globalists think. It's all about expansion. There's nothing wrong with expansion, but government has to be limited. When it governs least, it governs best. President Trump also, with his tax cut, 
repeal Obamacare's burdensome individual mandate. That was important. That was significant. I do remember when President Trump had won and you had a few of these rhino Republicans in office that, well, that were not for President Trump. You had Jeff Flake and you had John McCain, who was a part of the Christopher Steele dossier that was used as a way to get illegal FISA warrants. But that's another story for another day. The Republicans did control a lot of the government, but not all the Republicans were on board with President Trump, which is why we saw so much of the problems that we did early on. Now, what the tax cuts also did was it made U.S. companies competitive on the world stage by lowering the corporate tax rate from one of the highest in the industrialized world at 35% down to 21%. Again, we're seeing people with money paying less in taxes, which allow them to do more. If people with money have more money, then they have more money to do more things. It's common sense. It's simple. And for me to make a statement like that, you're like, well, what is this guy on? I mean, is he a simpleton? Well, in, in many ways, yes, I am a simpleton. I like things simple. I like to keep things simple. These things don't have to be complicated. But those in power want you to think that this stuff is rocket science or brain surgery when it's not. The tax code may be 100 million pages long, and it has to require somebody with an engineering degree to understand it, but it doesn't have to be. Again, it took an entire show, 30 minutes, for us to understand the accomplishments of President Trump in just his first four years as president. A lot of these things happened in just the first two years. And while we could go on, we want to make this show fun, but we want to make it quick in short, by being precise and to the point. This is the economic portion of why a Christian should vote for Donald Trump. If you have more money, then you have more money to do things with, like tithe and give your money to charity. Now, I do appreciate each and every one of you for joining me today here for Imagine If You Will. As we ask you to imagine, if you will, looking at things through a godly perspective. And we have been on part two of why a Christian should vote for Donald Trump. Until next time, I thank you for joining me and stay safe and God bless.